One of my favorite parts of the Above and Beyond campaign that we've launched has been the testimonies. We've heard from children on up, and it's been fantastic. And so this morning we're going to hear another Above and Beyond testimony. Uh, Charles Viani, our chairperson of the Missions Committee, just recently returned with several of us from Nicaragua, and we had an amazing experience, and Charles is going to share with you some about that mission. Uh, It was great to have him, a first-time participant as far as going on the Nicaragua trip, and that was a blessing to all of us to have Charles with us, and I do want to endorse him wholeheartedly as a great roommate if you ever need one. He'll get up at 5 o'clock and take the first shower and let you sleep 30 minutes, so great guy. Thank you, Rumi. One of the guidelines we use in determining our mission's funding at Brookwood is to have partners who live and work in the areas where we serve. It's important that we have ministry partners locally engaged, not just when we're there, but throughout the entire year. These partnerships are vital, whether we're serving in Birmingham or Eau Claire, Wisconsin, uh, Managua, Nicaragua, or Mongolia. Ten of our current 18 mission partnerships have been in place for 10 or more years. Earlier this month, I had the opportunity to participate in our mission trip to Nicaragua, where our team of 20 served alongside Pastor and Mrs. Daniel Aragon, Pastor Jorge, and Pastor Jose, along with members of their churches. 2018 marks marks the 14th year of our growing relationship with Nicaragua. Nicaragua is a beautiful country that began as a Spanish colony in the 15th century. Not too many years ago, it was a prosperous nation with a strong economy. However, years of civil war and poor leadership have resulted in Nicaragua being the poorest country in Central America and the second poorest in the Western Hemisphere. A key to a brighter future for Nicaragua is for today's children and youth to have opportunities for education delivered by strong role models. The life's work of Pastor and Mrs. Aragon has been the founding of the Monte Herman School where area children receive an education in an environment where teachers instruct and nurture them with with academic discipline and the love and hope of Jesus Christ. Brookwood provides financial support to the ministry of the Monte Herman School throughout the year. Our team assembled from across Alabama, Louisiana, and Texas were led by Frank Page. Upon arriving at the Monte Herman School, we were greeted by the students standing in a field to greet us, as you see in the picture on the left. On the right, you see some of the younger students who've just received a brand new school backpack provided one of our team members, Clint Ivey. Each student at the school received a new backpack during this assembly. Clint also led a service uh, commemorating and commending the seven high school graduating seniors for their commitment to graduating. Across four days and three different locations, we conducted medical, dental, and eye clinics serving over 700 patients. We had an opportunity to pray with each person after their medical, dental, eye, and medicinal needs were met. This year, Blake Dempsey began a sports ministry, which offers the promise of reaching additional children and adults in this community. Blake will be telling you more about this in the months to come. On Sunday morning, Blake uh, preached Uh, in the worship service, and Al Rector uh, taught youth in an outdoor classroom next to the baptismal pool. The um, woman that you saw on that previous slide standing by Blake was our interpreter, and as many of you, if you've worked in a a culture where the dominant language is not your own, 
uh, it's critical to have translators working with you every step of the way, even when you're preaching a sermon. An additional dimension of our trip was opportunity for personal study and reflection. Each day we would read our personal devotion books that had been given to us in Scripture, with Blake leading us through a study of 1 Corinthians 13 each morning after breakfast. I began my remarks stating the importance of having local ministry partners in Managua or wherever we serve. There's another aspect of partnering. Each of you who joined with us on this mission, you were our partners. While our team of 20 traveled to Nicaragua and were the away team, our home team included many more family members, colleagues, fellow church members, and friends. When Brookwood sends a team away to serve, the home team makes it possible for us to go to Nicaragua, to Eau Claire, to across Birmingham, to Rio. By praying with us, for us, sorting and counting medications before our trips, preparing equipment and tools for the Builders for Christ ministry, taking care of the day-to-day activities of lives at home, driving us to and from the airport, writing notes and texts of encouragement, responding to our missions blog, or just checking on our families while we're away. While some of us may go and some of us may stay at home, we want you to know there's a place for everyone to serve in missions at Brookwood. Thank you. Our scripture this morning is from Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 20. It can be found on page 832 of your pew Bible. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I am looking for a gift, but I am looking for what may be credited to your account. I have received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. I remember a number of years ago when uh, the deacons started uh, having a time of, of prayer. In fact, we try to have a lot of that where we break up into groups and, and pray during deacon's meeting. And I remember going home and telling Deanna, I just love it. And it's almost like as I'm, as I'm praying or as I'm listening to other deacons pray in the room, it's, it's like music to me. It's just very uh, moving and uh, it's very moving to me in the way that music is. And, and I kind of had that same experience 
uh, listening to us pray uh, together a few moments ago, so I thank you for that. That kind of took me to another place, and I'm grateful. Um, we've got this season of, of, of giving going on with Above and Beyond, and more specifically with Meal and a Deal coming up on Wednesday. So we're talking a lot about giving with Above and Beyond, which is what raising, uh, doubling our missions budget for 2019, and we'll be doing that through this year. And then Meal and a Deal, which raises money, obviously, for the uh, youth so they can go on their mission trips. And so I thought about that. And I, you know, we've got March 11 coming up, which is the big Sunday uh, where we celebrate and, and offer our pledges. And uh, hope that you will be there. Hope you bought tickets for that. Uh, and, and I was reminded the other day of, of Philippians 4, where Paul closes his wonderful epistle, the Epistle of Joy, it's called. Because I think right at the end there, he offers some vital insights about giving and growth. How giving impacts growth spiritually, impacts growth missionally. And that's what I want to talk about, and let's just jump right into it. If you have uh, your, your order of worship, there's an outline there. You can follow it on the screen as well. But I want to just jump right into it. First of all, giving shows Christ growing in us. Let's look at Philippians four ten through 13. Paul writes these words, how I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you've always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need. He said I never was in need, for <laughs> I have learned how to be content with whatever I have, whether I have a lot or have, don't have much at all. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. That's the New Living Translation. I learned it is what I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's a fabulous verse. It's also one of the most misinterpreted verses in all of Scripture. Uh, you'll oftentimes see it at athletic events. You'll see it on somebody's jersey. Um, since I grew up in Louisville and went to Muhammad Ali's high school, I used to follow boxing a lot. And I remember Evander Holyfield always had it on his trunks. There you go, Philippians 4.13. And, and he had that there uh, and on his glove, actually, uh, when he went to uh, 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 box against Mike Tyson. So for him, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me meant I'm going to beat up Mike Tyson, which he did, and yet he had the same thing on his trunks and on his gloves when he fought Lennox Lewis. You know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and Lennox Lewis beat the tar out of uh, Vander Holyfield. So uh, be careful how you use this. I actually had a student not long ago come into my room and say, I'm not ready for this exam today. Uh, I, I didn't really prepare very well. I didn't study very much, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And, and he, he, he received a strong uh, F and congrats to him and everything. Oh, in fact, he's right there. Christopher Wright. No, no it, wasn't Chris. it wasn't Christopher. In fact, Dr. McClure was bragging on you the other day. What a great student you are. So there you go. It wasn't Christopher. But I actually did. It was like, so sometimes we use this as a catch-all phrase like, whatever I'm wanting right now, whatever I'm needing, even if I haven't prepared myself for it, you know, uh, uh, God's going to get me through. It becomes this catch-all verse for, you know, um, I'm going to have the power to do it even though I, I don't deserve it. It becomes this kind of empty, naive, triumphalist kind of thing. 
And some people use it to promote the prosperity gospel. You know, God wants you to be rich. You can do all things and have all things. And that's virtually the opposite of what Paul is saying here. You've got to look at the context here. That's the important thing. And the context of the verse is not to tell you that you can be rich. The context here is Paul saying, you are rich in Christ. If you have Jesus, you are rich in him. So even if you don't have a penny to your name, like Paul didn't at the time, you're fine. You're content. You're doing just just fine. Here's Paul in a jail cell, not knowing what the next day is going to be like, not knowing if he's going to be executed. And he's saying, I'm okay. I know what it's like to have a lot. I know what it's like to have very little. But I've learned the secret to contentment. And it really is Christ in him, him being rich in Jesus. He said, when I'm rich in Jesus, I can make it through anything. That's his point. He's showing how Christ has grown so much, so abundantly, yes, so richly in him. And he has this internal strength, this internal grit, this inner peace that, yes, surpasses all understanding. And, and, And again, when we give generously, and he's saying this to the Philippians, when we give generously, that's what we're showing. We have that internal peace, that internal strength. And it can be a powerful, powerful testimony, an incredible witness as we give with the way of, I'm totally content with this. And as we're giving to the church, it shows that internal grit to get on with God's work, and we have this inner resolve to further His kingdom. Put another way, it really verifies, giving verifies our growing in Christ. Now, I'm very excited. I don't know if you've looked at the bulletin. There's some announcement there. Uh, we, we, it was encouraged to go ahead and put down what we've got so far. Now, keep in mind, I'm just so delighted about this and excited about this because March 11th is when we're having the actual Pledge Sunday, and we're going to walk up here with our little pledge cards and put the cards in the replica and say, this is what I pledge to give so that we will reach 300000 by the end of 2018 so we can go above and beyond in 2019 and, and have doubled our missions budget. And so, you know, I've been anticipating March 11th, March 11th, March 11th. I'm so excited about what's already gone. As of this past Thursday, let's see what we got. As of last Thursday, we already have $88,932 pledged. And then gifts we've already received, $39,514 for a total of, between pledges and gifts, $128,446, and it's actually a little higher than that now. That's over a third of where we want to go already. It's blowing my mind that people are just saying, well, let's go on and start giving now. March 11th, great. But let's go on and start giving now. I'm so delighted by this. Now, don't let this <laughs> make you lax. Like, oh, well, you know, if we're already doing that well, like, no. Give, give what you feel led to give in a manner that is sacrificial. But I can't tell you how pleased I am, how amazed I am that some people are already stepping up just fantastic and that's just the best of news this will definitely meet needs but the main thing i want to say here it shows that christ is growing in us both individually and collectively as his body and we're committed to his working in and through us that's just incredible that we're always already showing the kind of growth in jesus that we so treasure well secondly giving shows growth in our participation Uh, Let's look at verses 14 through 16. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. He says, you know, I really don't need all that stuff. I'm fine. But you've done well to share this with me. 
As you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. What Paul loves here is that the Philippians themselves see themselves as partners on mission, in missions. That's what's cool about this. Twice in that one little passage there, it's clear that Paul is saying, you all share this ministry with me. Yeah, I'm the apostle Paul, and I founded your church, and I'm doing all these amazing things as a missionary. You're doing the same thing. You're contributing toward that kingdom work. And that's what Paul loves about it. You know, what is it that made Paul glad? Was it the amount of money they gave him? No, because he's saying, I'm fine without any money. What pleases him, what, is that they feel ownership in this mission work as well. Goes way beyond just financial stuff. And you know, it goes beyond financial stuff, and part of it is ownership for each other. He's really threading that whole truth into, their, into that t- too. You know, that's the way the body of Christ works. I always go back to 1 Corinthians 12, where Paul talks about we are one body but many parts. Each one of us is a part, and each one of us has something vital. As Charles said uh, during his Above and Beyond testimony, there is a place for you no matter what. None of us really has an excuse to say, well, I really don't see myself having a place there. No, yeah, you do. All of us are needed. All of us are desperately needed to make this thing work. And what's interesting is there's going to be times when you're a generous giver, but there are going to be times when you are more dependent on others. And in the body of Christ, you become a receiver. And that's not easy for a lot of us. But there are going to be times when you are in need. Yes, there will be times of, of uh, physical and, and uh, monetary and spiritual prosperity. That's great. There will be other times where none of that seems to be there. And you go from a giver to a receiver. It's not always easy, but it helps us grow in love for one another. And you know what? This really leads us right to verse 17, and I know I'm going to get to that again in a second, but there is a spiritual discipline that Paul refers to here in terms of letting others help you. And that really came to life for me, to be real honest, uh, when Brian Bonds spoke in my ministry class last spring. This is Brian as he's speaking. Uh, Those of you who don't know Brian, he is battling ALS, longtime member here. He and Emily and their kids are just amazing people. And this was him speaking to my ministry class, and of course he was great, he always is when he speaks, but he said one of the main things I learned was from Philippians 4, 17. And he said, you know, when I started, when I got diagnosed with ALS and I was battling all this stuff, he said, I hated it. I hated it when people were helping me so much. I'm not used to that. You know, I'm, I'm the recipient of all this love and compassion. I'd rather be the one giving it out. And part of it, I'm sure, is a pride thing, but, but, you know, it's just uncomfortable. And yet, he said, it's like God led me to this verse in Philippians 4, 17, which basically says, you know what, I want, you know, I don't need all this from you, because that's what Paul is saying to the Philippians, but I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. The word can be for your generosity. Isn't that great? I don't have to have this from you, but I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. There, there is a way that you bless others by letting them bless you by reaching out to you and caring for you. And Brian just said that was groundbreaking for him. He didn't want to keep them from a reward that they were uh, worthy of because they were ministering to him. 
giving of ourselves financially, yes, can increase membership in the body of Christ. That's great. It increases participation, which is such a good thing. And, and, and then there's that added joy of just being there for each other, like we're talking about, and being able to reach out for each other. And as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, give the ones who are weak at a given time even more love and attention. And when we do that, we let them reward us with the privilege of helping them out. And again, that shared dynamic, of course, is a powerful, powerful witness for the church. Well, thirdly, giving grows, shows growth in our security. Giving shows growth in our security. Let's go back to Philippians 4, 17. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. And what's interesting, Paul is saying, as you give, you're investing in the future in a good way. He's, he's basically saying, I appreciate your gifts, but what makes me happiest is the reward you will receive later on. Really, uh, treasures in heaven, which we'll get to in a minute. But, but again, he, he's saying giving benefits uh, those who receive it, but it can so often benefit the giver even more. And you all know what I'm talking about if you've done any kind of ministry, mission work. And you receive a reward already by how you're blessed by it, but what Scripture says is you're going to be receiving even further reward. The word there for reward is a banking term, literally a banking term in the Greek, and it means accumulated interest. That's what it means. God pays interest. Never knew that. Jesus said himself, what, a hundredfold will be returned to him who gives for the gospel's sake. Now, why a reward? Because, again, we don't want to have bad motives with that, mixed motives with that, but again, what Scripture says is generous giving indicates that God has become more important to a person than security, than the security that you find in money. You know, the person finds their ultimate security in God. You know, money, money can be important for security. It can help you have a good retirement, uh, uh, things like that. But, but again, does it influence you more than the security you find with God? Where is your most ultimate security? Is it in money or is it in God? What do you depend on for the future more, money or is it God? Scripture says, you know, plan for the future, that's all important. But the one who gives generously is obviously trusting less in finances, being so obsessed with that, you know. And, and because of that, their spiritual account is growing and God's becoming a bigger factor in their life. And, and so when giving is a priority for a Christ follower, obviously that person's heart is moving toward Christ, realizing that my ultimate security isn't in anything down here. Any of the things here, no, it's treasures in heaven. Now, part of this is just grasping the reality that security in Christ is above and beyond what anything like things, possessions, money can do for you. Uh, our relationship with Christ makes us richer than anything else. And I was reminded about a story that I read years ago in the book by Billy Graham, who we lost this past week. As soon as I heard about him passing on, I remembered a passage I read in his autobiography, Just As I Am, and it really speaks to this. You know, what are you rich in? And he wrote it so well, I'm just going to read it the way Dr. Graham wrote it. He said, some years ago, Ruth and I were on an island in the Caribbean. One of the wealthiest men in the world had asked us to come to his lavish home for lunch. He was 75 years old, and throughout the entire meal, he seemed close to tears. He said, I am the most miserable man in the world. He said, out there is my yacht. I can go anywhere I want to. I have my private plane over there, my helicopters. I have everything I want to make my life happy, yet I am miserable as 
and he used an expletive. Um, and Billy Graham goes on to write, we talked to him and prayed with him, trying to point him to Christ, who alone gives lasting meaning to life. Then later we went down the hill to a small cottage where we were staying. That afternoon, the pastor of the local Baptist church came to call. He was an Englishman, and he was a widower who spent most of his time taking care of his two invalid sisters. He was so full of enthusiasm and love for Christ and others. He said, I, have, I don't have two pounds to my name, he said with a smile, but I am the happiest man on this island. After he left, I turned to Ruth and asked, who do you think is the richer man? She didn't have to reply because we both already knew the answer. Giving shows growth in our security, not in money, not in things, but in Christ. Which leads me to the last thing. Giving grows our blessings. Giving grows our blessings. Let's look at Philippians four eighteen through 20. At the moment, I have all I need and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epaphroditus. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now all glory to God, our Father, forever and ever. Amen. Paul says, I've got all I need. I have been, as it says, generously supplied. And really his greater prayer is what? That those who are giving to him will be generously supplied, amply supplied. That the Philippians would be. God is so pleased that they've given to him that he gives even more in return. It reminds me of Psalm 37, 25 and 26. Because you can tell this, these are the words of some wise old sage. So when I was young, I was once young and now I am old. Yet I have never seen the godly abandoned or their children begging for bread. The godly always give generously to others, and their children are a blessing. Interesting passage. He's saying, you know, I've never seen a godly and generous person who's in a position to give, give, and and in doing so, to suffer. Uh, Not to be taken care of by God. He said, it's just logical. Give because you get blessed in return. I've never seen somebody who's in a capacity to give not be blessed by receiving back what, you know, all the more they have coming to them because they've given. You know, Jesus said a hundredfold will be returned to us if we give for the gospel's sake. What did Jesus say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Now, what are these things? Well, they're treasures in heaven. Brian Bonds and I talked about this last Friday because I went over and said, hey, I'm going to talk about you again. Is that okay? He's like, yeah, sure. But we started talking about this, this passage, and I started talking about, you know, what do you think those treasures in heaven are? And we kind of talked about that for a while, and we decided we have no idea. <laughs> Wish I was bright enough to know, but I guess you got to get there. But when it talks about, you know, Jesus talks about storing your treasures in heaven, and I don't know exactly what those are. And Brian said, I don't either. And he said, but I can't wait to see them. And I said, I agree. Can't wait to get there and see what these amazing gifts are. Now, I'm not saying this to you so you can have some kind of selfish motive. It's just amazing how we will be the ones blessed when we do give with the right kind of motivation and that we're sowing these seeds in a way that brings treasures in heaven for all of us, not just individually, but corporately and so much of this boils down to you know to what into what or to whom do you put your ultimate security is it money is it possessions is it things or is it god 
And it reminds me of something that happened back April 3rd, 1974 in Louisville where I lived. The worst tornado ever to come through there just kind of gored out the eastern part of Louisville, Kentucky. It was in, some of y'all might remember that day, uh, northwest Alabama, Guin and some other places got hit really bad. But one of the people who had uh, her house hit really bad was a woman named Gaga Woodward, who was a member of my church. Now, she was friends with a guy who was one of my mentors, a guy named Grady Nutt. How many of y'all remember Grady Nutt? He was this great storyteller and everything. Funny, funny, funny guy, but very insightful, too. And he was a mentor of mine, kind of poured into me and meant a lot to me. But Grady found out uh, somehow, not by phone, but by word of mouth, because there was just devastation everywhere, that Gaga's house had been hit. And Gaga was older, lived by herself, and he was worried about her. She was um, a deacon in our church, which is scandalous, you know, Baptist church with deacons. Who would ever do that? But anyway, it was scandalous there. We, yeah, we got deacons here. Really. Uh, and I'm saying that for a reason, which you'll see. Uh, but Grady and Eleanor got in the car and just kind of wove around uh, trees that were that were you know falling across the the road and garbage cans and just all this devastation to try to get over to gaga's house they were just worried sick about gaga again lived by herself she was quite elderly at the time and so uh they finally get to her house they can't even get through the front door the front door doesn't exist anymore the frame had just been been crushed and so they went in the side window to go into the house and it was just you know stuff all over the place just terrible terrible uh, desecration, and, and then he thought, well, I don't see her right now, and he went bolting up the steps, and when he got to the top of the steps, he realized most of the second floor is absolutely gone. Just a couple of walls over here in a corner were standing, but there was nothing else, and he thought, oh my gosh, and he was worried. He thought, oh no, the, the tornado took her, and then he gets back to the stairs getting ready to go down, and he sees Gaga down there at the foot of the stairs um, holding a chandelier, one of the things that didn't get lost, and she's standing there holding a chandelier in, a, in her bathrobe. And she had just been outside for a minute, came in, found the chandelier, and as Grady said, what do you say to somebody at the foot of the step holding a chandelier in a destroyed house? And he didn't know what to say for a minute. And then he just said, oh, Gaga. And he said, Gaga looked back up at him and said, Grady, I never should have let him ordain me as a deacon. You know? <laughs> and he just, he just busted out laughing. And she put down uh, one of the few things she still had left was an old you know, chandelier. And she started walking up the steps. He started coming out. They met halfway on the steps and just held each other for a long time. And the way Grady said it, he said, you know, and finally she looked up at me with moist but not teary eyes at all. And she said, we're okay, Grady. We just lost a house. She's that quality of believer who knows the joy of giving to a point of realizing how content she can be without anything. She knows that secret of contentment that Paul is talking about. I can do all things through Christ because my life is in him. I have grown in him to the degree that he is my life. My ultimate concern is put in him. We just lost a house, and she made it through because she knows the secret. I hope you and I do as well. Let's pray together. Lord, may we put our trust in you. May we put the joy of being a part of you back into the life of your body, the church. Lord, some of us here probably need to be taken care of a bit more, and it's hard for us, but help us not to keep others from, from receiving the blessing of, of helping. Thank you so much that we can be that transparent and vulnerable to one another. 
As we give, O oh God, remind us that it does grow us toward you and toward one another, and what an incredible, incredible gift that is. And through that, yes, we have the strength to make it whatever, make it through whatever we are facing. And for that, we give you thanks and praise and glory, and we pray these things in your name. Amen.